Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Figgs. I'm the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado, and I'm with you on this Tuesday afternoon or evening, wherever you're at here in the country, or maybe perhaps international listeners, it's uh, the next morning. But whoever you are and wherever you are at, um, I'm so blessed that you have joined us for Calvary Live for this next hour. And of course, you are invited to call in at that number that was just given to you, 303-690-3000. All lines are open. Grab one of those open lines, and uh, the show goes by quickly, the hour, and uh, this is an opportunity for you to call in and ask your questions about the Bible or Christian living or what's our worldview and the things that we see going on around us. I'd love to pray with you if you have prayer requests. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number, and there's another way for you to be able to contact me on today's show, and that's through a dedicated text line. It's for texting only, and if that is a preferred way for you to communicate uh, to us with a question or a prayer request, 720-336-0897 is that number for texting only. Be safe if you're texting. So give me a call. Love to talk with you on the air, 303-690-3000. As soon as the phones start uh, ringing and you call in with questions or prayer requests, we'll go to the phone lines. But in the meantime, I want to welcome everyone. This is the last day of January. Uh, we uh, are going to begin a new month, February, tomorrow. And uh, so I pray that you're doing well. Welcome all those who are listening live on Grace FM along the Front Range in Colorado, up in the southern Wyoming. We've had a very, very cold couple days, snow. Uh, it's good to see the sun today. Still cold out there, but it, we're supposed to warm up, which is good. So just um, be careful coming home from work. Uh, enjoy your evening. Uh, enjoy listening to Calvary Live on your commute, or maybe perhaps you're finishing the day at the office. And love for you to call in at 303-690-3000. You're listening live on this Tuesday afternoon. Also, those of you who are listening Radio by Grace, Many stations across the nation, you too, uh, can give me a call at the number that I just gave to you. Love to hear from you. And then those of you online, you can call anywhere in the United States at 303-690-3000. And love to hear from you from the four corners of the country. And it's such a blessing to hear people um, from different states, different areas as technology connects us together, the program. I want to welcome all the international listeners, too. I don't want to forget about you. You may not be able to call, uh, but we're so glad that you are listening and you are being blessed by this program. I also want to just uh, welcome those of you of the Calvary Live family that is listening on the Hope FM Radio Network, Truth FM on the East Coast, and then in Idaho, higher 
Rock Radio. That's Higher Rock Radio. And so give me a call. You'll talk with me, and then you'll be able to listen to it a week later. You are a week delayed on the program. So give me a call. We got open lines, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. If you prefer to text, we will go to the text line if we got time to do that. And the text line is 720-336-0897 for texting only to give your questions and your prayer requests. We did get a prayer request uh, from somebody who says that their son is very sick uh, and just went to the doctor and concerned for them and wants prayer for their son who has uh, RSV and uh, other um, problems. Uh, And Lord, we just pray for this one who uh, went to the doctor. This one is asking for prayer. We ask that you administer to uh, her son. And Lord, you know who it is. And we just pray that you bring healing to him and that he would gain strength. And uh, Lord, we just pray for all those. Uh, It has been a difficult year for those with uh, getting flus and RSV and other respiratory illnesses. We just pray uh, that during this cold season that you would just minister to them who are listening and that you would bring healing to them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 303-690-3000, the call-in number. And again, welcome all those who are listening. And give me a call, Jeff Figs, the Calvary Chapel Greeley. Always a blessing to be with you. As the phone lines are starting to ring, we're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines. Let's go to Alabama. Bissell is on the line. Hello. Is it Bissell? Basil. Hey, thank you for uh, yes, basil like the herb. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thanks for calling. So, Appreciate it. The uh, the other day, I heard a uh, preacher saying that um, Pharaoh uh, hardened his own heart uh, in Exodus, and so I went back to the uh, story and was reading it in more detail. And the first time that I read that uh, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, it was in Exodus four, and it said God said that He would harden Pharaoh's heart. So I went through and just kept reading and recording all the different ones. There were 20 instances, and 10 of the instances, God said he hardened his heart. Seven of the instances was like a a general hardening. It wasn't God or Pharaoh. And three of the ones was Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And uh, of those two that were Pharaoh hardened his own heart, it says, as the Lord had said. So I was, I was, I guess, wondering if that was referring back to the original Exodus 4. And then generally, it is, what do you think about God hardened Pharaoh's heart or Pharaoh hardened God's heart? Yeah, and that's a question that comes up, and I, I want to commend you for observing all that in the book of Exodus, because in chapter 4, the Lord does say, hey, Moses, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. But as you see, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, thus says the Lord, let my uh, people go, that it says Pharaoh hardened his heart, and you made that observation. And what we read is Pharaoh hardened his heart. He did it repeatedly. And then it says that God hardened his heart. So the conclusion that, that, uh, that I've come up with, and usually what other commentators have come up with, is that God confirmed what, you know, Pharaoh was doing. Pharaoh kept hardening his heart. He hardened his heart to the word. He hardened his heart to the command to let the children of Israel go. And then God confirmed it. And that, that really, I think, is what we're seeing there going on in the book of Exodus. Um, if, 
you know, if Pharaoh would have said, hey, I'll let him go, um, I'm going to turn away, because the Lord would say to Moses, I'm going to show Pharaoh and the other nations that I truly am the Lord. So you have there the sovereignty of God that he knew that he would eventually harden Pharaoh's heart. But it was Pharaoh that hardened his heart, hardened his heart, hardened his heart, and then God confirmed it. And I think there's an important uh, consideration there. Uh, for us, that it's not good to harden our hearts to the Lord. And the Bible says, the Lord says, I will not strive with man always uh, and continually. And there comes a point where we harden our hearts against the Lord, that the Lord will confirm it. Where that line is, I don't know. But you do have the sovereignty of God that is working here, knowing that Pharaoh would harden his heart, uh, using Pharaoh as that, um, you know, vessel of, of dishonor, um, and but Pharaoh did harden his heart initially over and over again, and God confirmed what he did. So that's kind of where I see a lot of people that kind of come to that conclusion um, and look at that, but you've made some good ob- observations in, in seeing all that. Thank you. The, I guess the Romans 9 verse seems to point me towards mm-hmm. the idea that um, it, God hardened his heart. It seems like what it was telling me and that it was so that God's purposes of election and predestination would come about, not because of anything that people do that's good or bad themselves, but um, yeah. for God's ultimate purpose. And God does, you know, he does have his purposes, and, you know, he would use Pharaoh in that way. It's kind of like Judas. You know, we know that uh, Jesus said that um, there's going to be Judas that's going to— you know, the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled, knowing that Judas would uh, betray Jesus. And sometimes people think that, well, that isn't very fair. You know, that isn't fair that Judas kind of like God made him. But when you read through the Gospels and you look at Judas, I believe if Judas would have repented, that that he, you know, the Lord would have accepted that. Um and I think that there was those opportunities for Judas to repent. Um, Jesus rebuked him um, when he was uh, angry at Mary anointing, um, you know, Jesus with that box of uh, fragrant oil. Um, and we know that Jesus uh, would say, what you must do, do quickly. When he came to the garden and kissed Jesus, Jesus said, you betray a friend with a kiss. I think that if Judas would have repented, that truly it would have been accepted by the Lord. And what I see throughout the scriptures, that if anybody truly repents, the Lord will accept that. But knowing that Judas would betray him, as spoken by the scriptures, and that's all part of what you were speaking about, the predestination, the uh, predetermined foreknowledge of the Lord. He has foreknowledge. He knows, as Isaiah says, the end from the beginning. I don't fully understand it, but it's declared in the scriptures um, that we have there. Uh, But uh, I think that Pharaoh had his chance to repent, but he refused to do it. God knew that he wouldn't, and thus, you know, he hardened his heart, confirming what he had already done in his heart, and same with Judas, that he was determined to betray Jesus and refused to repent. And um, and so that's what we have, and, and we can't fully understand it, but that's what's declared in the Scriptures. Okay? Thank you for, thank you for your response. Hey, thank you. Thank you for your call. Good question. 
303-690-3000 is the call-in number. You know, um, we talk about the predestination, election of God. Uh, God does choose. He has foreknowledge. We need to remember that. But also, man, there's the human responsibility as well uh, that we have them. Both are at work in the Scriptures. So, um, you know, it's both there uh, for us and uh, the call to repentance to the Lord. But uh, in our conversation it's not good to harden your heart. And I think that's a message perhaps right now to all of us that are listening, that maybe the Lord has you to do something, uh, to talk to somebody, to forgive somebody, to, you know, whatever it is, repent of a sin, and you do not do not want to keep hardening your heart to the Lord in that. Um, we always want to be soft and teachable before Him and ready to turn away from the things He tells us to, ready to move forward in the things that he wants us to move forward to. And so good consideration as we have those discussions. 303-690-3000, the call-in number, the text line is 720-336-0897. We're going to go back here to Colorado, to Denver. Isaac? Isaac? Hey, Pastor Jeff. How are you today? Good, how are you? It's good to see the sun, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so my question, I was actually just listening to your program. Um, you're you're speaking about the rapture and, and preaching about it. Um, mm-hmm. It sparked a question. So I, I've been taught, um, I've been, you know, fell underneath pastors who believe both pre, um, pre-tribulation rapture and mid, mid to post-tribulation rapture. Um, right. And one thing I've, I remember... Um, from what I don't have the notes in front of me, so I apologize I'm on the road. But uh, one thing I do remember from one of the uh, other pastors' sermons was uh, that when they were referring to specifically the seven-year tribulation period, that there was when you go back to the original Greek and Hebrew um, and Aramaic, that there was a distinction between man's tribulation towards the believers and then God's wrath on the the whole earth. Um, and that's where he made the argument of that the first three and a half years was just man's tribulation on Christians, and that we would be here for that, and that we would be caught up uh, later on in the period, um, in about three and a half years, um, right. and then God God would pour His wrath down. So I'm not sure if you've heard. I mean, I, I'm, I'll be honest; it, you know, this topic has always been confusing for me. Yeah, and I think that. I, I think part of the argument, I've heard it before, is the last three and a half years. It's almost like the first three and a half years are going to be relatively peace. Things are going to be okay. The Antichrist is going to come on the scene, and um, and that's not the wrath of, of God. The wrath of God begins in the mid-tribulation, uh, what is called the Great Tribulation period, the last three and a half years. And, of course, that begins when the Antichrist goes into the rebuilt temple, and he proclaims himself as God. Um, but I, I don't agree with that. I believe that the seven years is going to be tribulation that's going to be taken place. Uh, and I think the book of Revelation is very clear about it. Uh, we know that uh, in the two witnesses of Revelation chapter 11, um, that there will be on the scene prophesying 1,260 days. 
That's two and a half years. It says that uh, fire proceeds from their mouth. They devour their enemies. Uh, they have the power of heaven, so no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. They have power t- to turn the water into blood. That doesn't sound like it's a very nice time to me or a peaceful time. Also, if you take the book of Revelation, and there's different interpretations of chapter 6, but some take it more chronological, that chapter 6 is speaking of the beginning. We know that the first seal opened up as the coming of the Antichrist, and then the second seal is, um, you know, you got war that takes place, and um, and a great sword that is there. And then the third is scarcity on the earth. The fourth is widespread death and, and earth. By the time the fourth seal is over with, a quarter of the earth is killed. So if those who take it in the first half of the tribulation period, you know, chapter 6, that that's tribulation that comes, some do interpret these seals to be an overview of the whole seven years. So I personally believe that the seven years is not just, you know, the first three and a half years is going to be peace and, you know, in all of this. I, I think it's going to be tribulation. The last three and a half years, of course, will be uh, when we see um, just uh, God um, bringing to consummation all these things uh, that are spoken of. Jesus spoke of the signs, the birth pangs, and we see the birth pangs today that point to the soon return of Jesus Christ, but then will be consummated in the tribulation period. The thing about the rapture of the church, too, is... What I keep going back to, Isaac, is that the preeminence that is spoken of, that Jesus said that no one knows the day, the hour that I shall come. That doesn't fit to me in the middle of the tribulation period. There's a lot of things going on in the middle of the tribulation period. The Antichrist, the abomination of desolation, you have the two witnesses being killed. Um, you see that the Great Tribulation begins. I mean, if we're approaching those times, you, you're going to think that the Great, you know, the Rapture uh, in that place, you, you know heavy things are taking place. The end of the Tribulation period, um, it doesn't fit to me. Jesus is always speaking about imminent return. He He says it's going to be like the days of Noah. It's going to be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, in the days of Noah, the coming of the Son of Man, they weren't expecting judgment to come, but it did come. Uh, Here's Noah building this ark. He gets into the ark. God seals him in the ark, and he's talking about judgment for 120 years. You know, uh, a preacher of righteousness, as the Scripture says, and then all of a sudden judgment came, and judgment was complete, and, and it was severe. And the same with Sodom and Gomorrah. And when you go back to the book of Genesis, when the angels went to get Lot and his family out, they didn't think judgment was going to come. They lingered. Matter of fact, when he Lot told his family, they thought, this is a joke. This isn't going to happen. And they lingered. And one of the verses that you see in the book of Genesis is that the angel said, we can't do anything to this city until you are out. And so... Um, to me, it's a picture of he'll take us out of and away from the hour of tribulation that shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. So that's the different thinking that people have that, well, the first three and a half years is going to be relatively peaceful, and then the rapture is going to happen. The, the wrath of God will not happen until 
the second half, but um, others look at it differently. Uh, that in chapter six, you see those who are hiding uh, from the face of him who sits on the throne and says, that save us from the wrath of the Lamb. So that's that's sort of the different views that you're hearing. Okay. No, that makes sense. Thank you. So, you know, it's to me the tribulation period is going to be seven years of tribulation. And uh, the great tribulation, of course, is going to be uh, leading to, um, you know, where uh, the Valley of Megiddo is the last world war and the Antichrist and his forces and all that. But um, you can take a look at that. But imminent return is what keeps me coming back to Jesus said it can happen at any time at the time that you least expect, um, that's not going to happen during any time of the tribulation period because the Antichrist is the first thing that comes on the scene, making a covenant with Israel for seven years, and he's going to be a world leader. And You can go through the book of Daniel, and you can read more specifically about him. And, and so um, that's, that's the way I read it, and that's the way I see it, that there's just that imminent return at a time that you least expect. So. Hey, thanks, Isaac. Good question. Yeah, thank you. You bet. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Text line 720-336-0897. we got a couple open lines. Grab one of those open lines. Maybe you got a question about uh, the end times, the rapture of the church, the coming of the Lord. Maybe you got a question about the things that we see going on around us. Uh, how does it point to the soon return of Jesus Christ? Um, I believe that we're told to be watchful, and uh, we are told to uh, pay attention to the things that are taking place and um, and be wise and discerning in the days in which we're in because he comes at a time that we least expect. So give me a call, 303-690-3000, the call-in number. And again, if you want to text a question or a prayer request, 720-336-0897. We're going to go to Aurora Todd. Hey, Pastor Hi, Jeff. How, How you are you, doing? Todd? I'm good. How are you? Good. I just have a prayer update. Um, I talked to you uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas, and remember little Adley that was mm-hmm. in the hospital in Pennsylvania? Yes, uh, I with do. With a brain you know, tumor. Yeah, very severe. Yeah. Situation, well, I have yeah. Some good, I have some good news. Little Adley... Just last week, um, he's been home for in and out of the hospital, but he's been home. But he went back to Children's Hospital, and he had a spinal tap, and he is cancer-free now. And wonderful. And he's in his last 30 days of chemo. So wow. all the prayers uh, give the glory to God because he heard our prayers for little Adley. Yeah, and he had surgery, didn't he? Yes, he did. He had that brain, yep. uh, cancerous brain tumor removed from yep. his brain. I, I remember that, and I remember praying. And So thanks for the update. I really appreciate it when people give updates, when we've been praying, and, you know, it, it's good to hear that, good to hear uh, the follow-ups. And um, so, Father, we pray for little Adley. We continue to. You've worked. You've been merciful, compassionate, bringing healing to him as he finishes up his chemo, um, showing that the cancer is gone. I pray it would stay away, 
that he would recover from all the treatment that he's gone through, and Lord, that he would just grow to be a strong, healthy boy. And Lord, we thank you for just touching his body. But Lord, more than anything, I pray that he would grow up just the heart of thankfulness, just knowing you. He he's very young right now. Um, just and uh, I just pray that he would grow up being thankful, knowing um, that Lord that you were with him and his family and his parents. And I thank you for Todd taking the time to give us an update. We give you thanks and praise um, for the work that you have done in his life and and just working in a way that um, Lord has brought healing to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Todd. Thank you very much. Take care. You, God bless. You bet. You too. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000 that calling number. Put those numbers in your contact and uh, so you can pull it up and give me a call or whoever hosting Calvary Live. And uh, you can give me give a call or text in a question or a prayer request and love to hear from you and just talk with you. And, and this is a show where we get to be blessed, all of us together. It, it's um, really a show where hopefully that I'm not just answering the person that is calling, of course I am, or praying for them, but a show that's ministering to everyone who's listening in. So we do want to welcome all you who are listening on uh, today on this last day of January, Radio by Grace and online and Grace FM. And, and those of you who are listening a week delayed, um, we're glad that you guys are a part of our Calvary Life family as well. Just very grateful that we can be a, a part of what God is doing in your lives and um, just hearing how God is working in your lives, and it's a tremendous blessing. So we got a couple open lines. Again, 303-690-3000 is that number you can get a hold of me. We're going to go back to Denver with Brent. Hi, Hi Brent. Jeff. How are you? Um, I'm, I'm wonderful. I'm so happy to be able to take my call, and I just absolutely yeah. love the show. I listen to it all the time. Uh, one thing I wanted to, to ask about and give an opinion on, and get your opinion, was uh, post-trib says that uh, Matthew 25, uh, the great day of the Lord, when the moon turns black, the sun, uh, the moon turns blood mm-hmm. red, the sun turns black as sackcloth, that um, that's, that's when the rapture will take place. And what I thought about was, if the rapture takes place a day or a week before Armageddon, and if Matthew 25 is the great day of the Lord, then... That means the 144,000 uh, men that carry the gospel, they're taken. That means all those that would be at the goats and the sheep judgment, they're taken. <clears throat> they would be taken. Who is going to go into the millennium to have babies and populate uh, the millennial kingdom if all human beings, because at that point, you will have either received the, the mark of the beast or rejected it. You would have either starved to death or had your head cut off. And why would there be five foolish versions at that point that would be caught unawares? So, I think yeah, that- you're asking you're asking good questions, and you know on that because if the rapture took place right there, right prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ, um, you know, uh, and position is we go up to heaven and come right back to the earth. Where are the sheep and the goats? You know, who are they? Is it when Christ comes back um, that the Jews, you know, recognize, as Zechariah chapter 12 says, 
they they mourn for him whom they have pierced because they are going to recognize that Jesus is their Mashiach, as Matthew 24 says, that he will then gather the elect from four corners of the earth. So perhaps that's their position on that, that um, because then, you know, the believers would be, would be gone and who would populate the millennium reign of Christ. So uh, for me personally, we do know that when Christ comes back, there's the judgment of the nations, Matthew chapter 25, the separation of sheep and the goats, and the sheep will enter into the millennium reign. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, you're bringing up good questions on that. Um, and um, I've always believed in pre-trib, and I find it hard to believe that, you know, Chuck Smith, John MacArthur, Skip Heisig, uh, you know, all you guys uh, from Calvary, I just can't believe that a majority of who I consider incredible Bible teachers would all get it wrong, and just a small minority uh, would yeah. uh, would would um, get it you wrong. Know. So. Yeah, Brent, and we'll continue this conversation after a break if you'll hang on. And I want to sure. respond to that and just kind of encourage you in that. But we're going to be right back. We're at one of those open lines, 303 690 3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. Jeff Biggs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado on this sunny day on the last day of January. We're headed into February, and uh, it's 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 uh, nice to know that... Uh, we're going to be heading into February, then March and spring. But in the meantime, in this season that we're in, I pray you're being blessed. And so grateful for you who have called. I believe we have full lines right now. We're going to go back to the phone lines in just a second. We're going to finish our conversation with uh, Brant. He, he asked something or made a comment that I think um, is worth just kind of responding to encourage everybody. And as we have those conversations about the rapture of the church, but I just want to make a quick announcement that uh, we are finishing Galatians in Sunday mornings here at Calvary Chapel Greeley. Then we're going to go into Book of Philippians uh, here soon and uh, in a couple of weeks. But uh, it's been a wonderful study, Galatians. And uh, I encourage you to come out if you have an opportunity to come visit us. We'd love to serve your family, three morning services, uh, and also um, just all kinds of Bible studies going on. We got men's study tonight, lady studies and high school meeting tomorrow and young adults on Fridays and ministry class on Saturday mornings. Um, I just encourage you uh, to, if you have opportunity to come see us, Calvary Chapel Greeley, all one word, G-R-E-E-L-E-Y.org, O-R-G is where you'll find us and get all the latest information for us. And um, just love to be able to to meet you and your family and serve you in any way that we can. I'm going to go back to Brent. Are you still there, Brent? Oh yes, sir. You um, know, I, one I, other question I wanted to ask you because I know you want to make a comment is: sure. is there any chance that is there any way that the dollar can coexist with the mark of the beast? Since you have trillions of dollars in Mexico, trillions of dollars in the Caribbean, trillions of dollars in Russia, these oligarchs all over the world have an incredible amount of cash. Is, does the dollar? I, I perceive the dollar has to be completely destroyed 
in order for the mark of the beast, and that's the main reason why. So I've always yeah. believed that Sodom of America is going to be destroyed, the dollar will be destroyed, Wall Street destroyed, and that brings up the mark of the beast, and we're in heaven, and we see this happen when Jesus takes the seal, the seven-seal scroll out of him who sits on a throne before the 12 mm-hmm. elders of the Old Testament and the 12 elders of the New Testament, um, right. the 24 elders, and then he loosens those seals, and we're going to witness that. That means the church is there. Um, yeah. And then a backup question is, is I perceive that, most of the people that do go into the one of the main reasons of the 144,000 being sealed is they are actually just about the only people that go into the millennial reign. And so God has now put, he's gone back to his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the, mostly uh, Jews will populate the millennium. And that's where the the Jerusalem and the nation of Israel is preeminent. We're glorified. We're in heaven. Where we, but it's it, the attention goes back to Israel. Yeah, um, yeah. The way it was and there is a focus the, on that, Brent. Yeah. yeah, and you just you threw a lot out there um, that um, you know is a study of the Book of Revelation. Just a couple quick comments on that. Number one is you know those who take the mark of the beast. It, it seems to indicate as you read the Book of Revelation that it's going to be he's going to be an economic leader the Antichrist, a political leader, religious leader, um, uh, you know, um, a military leader. And you won't be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. And so many believe it's going to be a cashless world out there. Um, what that mark is, there's all kinds of um, speculation that technology is there. You can put something certainly in place, but we'll be moving more towards a, maybe perhaps one world uh economic system, it seems to indicate, uh, maybe a one-world currency. Um, certainly, you won't be able to buy or sell. Um, so a cardless, cashless, at least cashless world is what it seems to indicate. So um, as you're speaking about those things, I don't know exactly how that's all going to work. But I think the main thing is that in Revelation chapter 14, the angel warns everyone, do not take the mark of the beast, because you are aligning yourself with Satan. And whatever the mark is, that you are worshiping Satan, and the angel warns there's no hope of salvation. The other thing, too, is we do know that the Antichrist and the abomination of desolation, that he will persecute the Christians and the Jews very, very heavily. The Jews will flee to the rock city of Petra, a remnant of them, and they will hide away. Uh, Isaiah speaks of that. Um, whether all the, you know, believe in Christians, you know, or tribulation saints are killed, um, there could be some that are left. Many are going to be killed, uh, but we do know the 144,000 are going to be sealed by God and um, are going to be witnessing for the Lord. And then uh, any tribulation saints left, and and as the Jews have their eyes opened up in the restoration of Israel, um, then we do know that um, they will move into the millennium reign, and there will be a special place for Israel. You particularly see that in the book of Ezekiel, when Ezekiel, and I'm sure he was fascinated by this because he was a priest, seeing that tribulation, uh, not tribulation, but millennium temple, the tribulation temple will be destroyed in a special place that Israel has in Jerusalem um, during that time. And really, they take the focal point, uh, the epicenter in the tribulation period as well. I think Daniel chapter 9 shows us that. When it comes to, Brent, um, when it comes to 
you know, when it comes to different positions of the rapture of the church, you know, I, I had to study it myself um, to because Pastor Chuck always taught it. Uh, great men of faith, you know, uh, from John Wolvold, um and and Dwight Pentecost and others that that Tim LaHaye taught a pre-tribulation rapture. But I needed to study the scriptures and come up with my own conclusions. And as I did, I'm more thoroughly convinced that the rapture will take place before that seven-year period. Um, but there are those who, you know, are pretty love the Lord. They they study the scriptures that do have a different position. We're brothers in Christ. We may disagree on that. Uh, Dr. Walter Martin, I don't know if you ever heard of him. But he's the one. Uh, he's gone home to be with the Lord. But he wrote the um, Kingdom of the Cults. He used to do the original Bible Answer Man. I learned so mm-hmm. much from him. But I believe he had a post-tribulation position, and we may disagree on that. Um, and he, you know, presented his case and everything. Um, but you know, we're still brothers in Christ. And um, we we study the scriptures. We we have different interpretations, but I really believe. And um, there are those who say, "Well, you shouldn't teach a pre-tribulation rapture uh, because what if you're wrong and we go into the tribulation period?" I, I do believe that we are in that scene of chapter five of Revelation, in that heavenly scene. Out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, you have redeemed us by your blood. And that is the song of the church. It's not the song of Israel. It's not the song of angels. It's the song of the church out of every tribe, tongues, people, and nation. And we will be in heaven at that time when the first seal is opened up and then tribulation comes upon the earth. So that's, that's how I interpret it. Um, but I just, I just, you know, um, those who, uh, you know, take a different position in mid-trib or post-trib. You know, we're still brothers in Christ, uh, and we can have these discussions. And, um, yeah. you know, when we get rapture, I'll just turn to him and say, see, I told you. <laughs> one uh, one, one uh, theologian, uh, Dr. Floyd Nolan Jones, in his teaching on the rapture, he goes, you're going to be glad I was right on this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. so yeah. Um, But yeah. thank you so much, and... Um, uh, you I have bet, a friend. Brent. Her name is Rachel. She just had cancer surgery. Please pray for her. Um, she's got to go through radiation, and and uh, they caught it real early, stage one. But she's been, okay. you know, real nervous, a lot of anxiety, and I love her uh, so much. So um, well, if you'll... let's pray. Okay, yeah. Father, we pray for Rachel. We just pray for her. She's going through treatment. They caught it early, but I pray that you would just take the cancer away and. And the treatments are used to do that, that you give her peace, um, that you give her assurance, that, Lord, you give her comfort, but most of all, healing. And she see you work um, in this way. So be just compassionate to her and touch her body and take the cancer away. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks, God Brent. God bless you, and let's get other people on. Thank you so much. Thank you, you bet. Absolutely. 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Text line is 720-336-0897. We're going to go to Alabama. Sydney, are you there? Yes, I'm Sydney? here. Hey, thanks for holding. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I need prayer for my family, my wife, my children, everybody. But um, one question. <laughs> I huh? just, maybe another question, but I just come up with a thing saying that when even if they said water, everything going to turn, if water going to turn into blood in the end time, 
But is it polluting that you cannot consume the water that's a form of blood? If, it, if you can't well, drink water no more because it's so polluted. Yeah, is and, that, you know, we that, we hear about that, pollution. That, sorry. Yeah, you know, Sydney, the, the, the Scripture does talk about that in the tribulation period that the water is going to turn to blood. Um, and, you know, the day of the Lord. And one of the things, somebody used that term today, the day of the Lord. The thing to remember about the day of the Lord, it's a period of time. The day of the Lord begins with the tribulation period, extends seven years, second coming of Jesus Christ, and then the millennium reign. Um, but what we see, the pollution we see today is not that. We're not in the tribulation period. We're not in the day of the Lord um, I know that it can be a serious problem, the pollution, but it's not the water turning to blood that's spoken of that will take place in the end of time. So, um, you know, um, it, it's something that uh, the Bible is very clear that will take place in a period of time that we're not in, that is the tribulation period. Okay? No, I, I need prayer. I, I kind of understand. But I still believe, uh, I skip my way... Is it gonna be physical blood? Or water gonna be like real blood? Maybe it's gonna be blood. When the Bible says blood, it means blood. Yeah, and it's gonna be difficult. Yeah, and you know, particularly when the bold judgments are poured out, it talks about you know the the waters being polluted with blood, and um, and then when Christ comes back, you can read the book of Ezekiel, Sydney, and you see in the book of Ezekiel in the millennium. Um, temple that is there at the altar in Jerusalem, that the waters are going to come forth from there, from Jerusalem, and go to the east, to the Dead Sea. If you go to the Dead Sea today, there's nothing living in the Dead Sea, but it's going to bring life to the Dead Sea, and there'll be fishing during the millennium rain. There's going to be healing. The desert's going to bloom. Um, you know, the the earth is going to be not only is there the water turning to blood, but there's going to be all the green vegetation that's going to be burnt up. The waters are going to go to the west, and it's going to heal the waters. All that pollution is going to be healed as the Lord comes back, and it's going to be a renewal that's going to take place, um, you know, in the world of the vegetation uh, when the Lord comes back. And so um, th- you read about that in the prophecies of Isaiah about the millennium reign, uh, in Ezekiel, the healing waters that will take place, bringing life and healing the waters. So you can look at all that. So so we pray for your family, Sydney. Yes. Father, I do pray for Sydney, his family, and, and Lord, I know he's called, and I thank you um, that, Lord, that you're just showing him things and that he doesn't have to worry about um, this season of grace, but to keep his eyes on you. And Lord, um, we do know that the things that are spoken of in the scripture will come to pass, but Lord, give him a peace, grow him, give him understanding. I pray for him and his family. You know what's going on, um, just the difficulty and perhaps the challenges and uh, that are there. And Lord, that you would bring healing more than anything to them, and um, and that you'd be restoring and you would be working. And I just pray that you give Sydney just wisdom and how to minister to them and guidance, and that you would show yourself strong on their behalf. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Hey, Thank thanks, you, Sydney. God bless you guys there in Alabama. Same. Thank you. You bet.
Always good to hear from you guys. Radio by Grace is so wonderful. 303-690-3000. We got a couple open lines. Grab it. Plenty of time in the show here. Text line 720-336-0897. We're going to go back to Radio by Grace to Kristen Amarillo, Texas. Kristen, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You guys getting that cold weather? Yes. Every morning we wake up and it's snowing, but it doesn't ever stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sticks here, so we got it all over, but we'll get through it, right? Yes, yes we will. We're looking forward well, to warmer weather. <laughs> amen. So what do you got for me today? Okay, I've been reading in Mark and um, the Transfiguration mount, Mountain of Transfiguration mm-hmm. when Jesus and the disciples went up. Right. Um, I think they were coming back down. So in verse 12, 9, 12, says, um, Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restore all things. What does that mean when Elijah does come first? Well, I, I think when you go to, you can compare it to Matthew chapter 17 um, in the Transfiguration um when Jesus said, you know, they're, they just saw Elijah up on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Right. And, um, and so the disciples are asking him, saying, why do the scribes say Elijah must come first? And Jesus said, indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. Um, but he, he goes on to say, and um, just comparing it with Mark, um, that is... Uh, indeed, Elijah is coming first, restores all things. How is it written? And he goes on to say, but I tell you that Elijah has also come, and they did not uh, did to him whatever they wish, as it is written of him. I think Matthew gets a little bit, um, to me, just a little bit perspective. Jesus said, but I say to you, Elijah has already uh, come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wish, like Mark says, Likewise, the Son of Man is about to suffer at their hands. So we do know that Malachi tells us, right, in Malachi chapter 4, that, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and great dreadful day of the Lord. So the question may go like, you know, Jesus, we know Elijah comes first before the Messiah. We just saw Elijah up there on the mountain. Um, We know that you are the Messiah, um, and it seems that he came after you. And Jesus responding to them, Jesus' first coming did not bring the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Um, Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, the coming of Elijah probably best identified with the appearance of the two witnesses um, that happens there in Revelation chapter 11. I don't know if you've read that chapter. Uh, The two witnesses, you know, one will be able to uh, I think I read it actually on today's show. Uh, yes, we'll be yes, able to, yeah, that, call yeah. down, call down fire from heaven. That was the ministry of Elijah. So that probably that is speaking of Elijah. But when he says that Elijah has already come, it, it's speaking of the work of John the Baptist, who we're told in Luke's Gospel, chapter one, came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Remember that they came out and they asked John, are you Elijah? And he said, no. Um, but he would minister in the 
in the spirit and power of Elijah according to Luke's gospel. So I think that's what Jesus is clearly making reference to. Okay, and I've heard it that way, so that's why I was just wondering if that was, you know, the if there was another meaning behind it or if that's what it was for sure. Yeah, and um and so you can look at that reference in Luke's gospel. Um, you know, in you know, I would wonder what's the comparison of the life and work of both Elijah and, and John the Baptist. Um, you can kind of do that little bit of study. Elijah rebuked sin in high places, so did John the Baptist. Elijah called sinners and compromises to repentance, so did John the Baptist. You know, that's the spirit of Elijah, the spirit and power of Elijah. Um, the only thing is, here's the interesting thing, um, Kristen, is that John did not work any miracles. Mm-hmm. And the Bible specifically tells us this. And so Elijah, of course, he was the one that called down fire from heaven. He worked all kinds of miracles. And so, you know, um, in that comparison, Jesus said of John the Baptist that he was greatest born among women up to this point. And as I considered that, um, here's John the Baptist. He didn't work any miracles. If you would have asked me who's the greatest born up until that time, I would have said, you know, Moses or David or, um, you know, Daniel or, or whoever, uh, Elijah, uh, because of the great miracles that they did. But John didn't do any miracles. And the mm-hmm. Bible specifically tells us that. But what did he do? He said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And and Jesus went on to say that that we can become great too. And and the thing is we become great when we point people to Jesus, we speak of Jesus, we tell people to repent and turn to him. And and mm-hmm. that's the lesson that I take away from it. Um and so um yeah, so anyway, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, it does. Thank you so much. <laughs> You are welcome, and thank you for calling. I appreciate it. Yes. You bet. There's a question that came on the text. I do want to answer it, Melissa, um, because you want to be able to minister to somebody. Um, and you asked about suicide. Do those who commit suicide go to hell um, if they're a Christian? And the answer is nowhere in the Scripture does it say that. It is sin. It is not God's desire uh, for um, anyone to commit suicide or to choose life. But I, I have known Christians, you know, they loved the Lord and there was so much agony that went on and pain in their life. They chose, um, to take their own lives and it's not God's will. Anybody out there right now, any thoughts of it, please reach out. There's people that you can reach out to, talk to somebody. Um, you know, there's, um, suicide hotlines you can talk to. Choose life is what you're to do, but the Bible does not say anywhere that those who commit suicide that are in the Lord, that it's an unforgivable sin. So you can minister to, you know, the mother of this one who did commit suicide, and what the Scripture says is still grief, is still sad, is very difficult, but um, I, I want to be able to give that um, sense of hope um, to you for a Christian. Again, it's not God's will. Um, and it's not God's desire at all. There's help. There's always a reason to live and live for him. Um, but it does not tell us that 
those who are in Christ that commit suicide, that they automatically go to hell. It's not an unforgivable sin. Let's go ahead. Uh, while we got some time, let's go to Greeley. Lou? Hey, Lou. Are you there? I'm here. Lou? How are you doing? Good. How are you, Lou? I'm well. Hey, um, I was uh, listening to your conversation with Brant, and uh, the topic of the mark of the beast came up. Um, I had a friend that felt that the COVID vaccine was the mark of the beast. And I, but my question is, when the mark of the beast does come about, will we know that that's what it is and we're, will be, it'll be obvious? Or is it something that yeah. will be subversive like that? No, I think it will be very obvious for a couple reasons. You know, and I remember, you know, a year ago, two years ago, when the vaccine first started coming out, that there are those uh, several people that asked me, um, and, you know, they listen to YouTubes, they listen to teachings. That's why it's really careful. you got to be careful. Um, there's a lot of voices that are out there. we got to compare it with the scriptures. But there are those who are afraid that they took the mark of the beast. And the thing about it is, is first of all, that we're not in the tribulation period. Um, and second of all, when you, if you did, because some had to go through mandates and they're struggling through this and, and, uh, they're going, did I just take the mark of the beast? And it's like, no, you did not take the mark of the beast because first of all, we're not in the tribulation period. So you got to keep everything in its context. Second of all, you're not worshiping a man who just went into the temple in Jerusalem, which there is no temple right now, and proclaimed himself as God and commanded the world to worship him. So that didn't take place. And thirdly, I think it will be evident because Revelation chapter 14 tells us that there's an angel, there's three angels, three proclamations. One's going to be the everlasting gospel. The second one is Babylon has fallen. And then thirdly, do not take the mark of the beast. If you take the mark of the beast, there's no hope of salvation. So it's not going to be this confusing thing. It's going to be a willful decision that I'm going to worship the Antichrist who's empowered by Satan. That the word Antichrist means not just only you know, in, uh, against Christ, but comes instead of Christ. He's going to proclaim himself as God, and there's going to be no buying or selling. What exactly is going to be the market beast, a little chip under your skin? I, I don't think that people are going to walk around with a big 666 on their forehead, but um, it's not going to be something that's going to be, it's going to be a clear decision, I believe, and there's going to be warning given, do not take the mark of the beast. But this whole, you know, I I don't know where this teaching came out of that if you take the vaccine, that you take the mark of the beast uh, completely out of context of what the scriptures declare. And it scared a lot of people and put a lot of undue stress and hurt and confusion to people in that teaching. Well, appreciate you clearing that up for me, Pastor Jeff. You bet, Lou. Thanks for calling. God bless you. You bet. Absolutely. We got a couple minutes. Let's go to Will back to Texas. Will? Yes, sir. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for calling. We got a couple minutes. So you want to share? I heard your conversation regarding COVID, and I wanted to read you a scripture that, believe it or not, a gentleman that was walking down the road jumped into my car after I offered him a ride, and he shared it with me. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's in Romans. 
it says that not only not only that, but we boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love for us has been poured into our hearts, the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And yeah. I'm getting ready to celebrate the second year of my father passing from COVID tomorrow. But, mm. you know, I've had suicides in my, families and my family and murders, and I'm just going to tell you, that is a great scripture that holds yeah. on Romans, to because through all of our trials, yeah, yeah God's going to be Romans chapter us. 5. Yeah, and it is, and we always have hope in Christ. I just want to say I'm so sorry for your loss and um, the others, but the Lord brings us hope. And, you know, the thing to remember, Will, is I want to say to everybody, is that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a living hope. And so, you know, hang on to that and hang on to him and keep moving forward. Be a light to your family. And as we close, Lord, I just want to pray for Will as he uh, is at the— anniversary of his father's passing and it's so hard when we lose a loved one the lord bring comfort to him i'm um, thank you for this one who brought these verses to you because hope does not disappoint and the love of god has been poured out in our hearts by the holy spirit given to us and i pray that you just help will to minister to his family uh, through all the difficulties they've been through that lord that you would just um, bless him and grow him i thank you that he called and i pray that you would just minister uh, to him in every way. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, Amen. Will. Yes, sir, God, God bless, bless you. you. Thank you all so much. Absolutely. Hey, we're at the end of the show. We don't always get to, to um, you know, uh, get to all the responses on the text line or call, but, um, you know, Calvary Live is here during the week. You get opportunity, give a call. Uh, But keep close to the Lord. There's always hope in Jesus Christ. And remember this, that he gives us a living hope through his resurrection. And be sure to give that message to others as well. Hey, thank you, everybody that's called in. Um, Always uh, just a blessing to be with you. Have a great evening. Keep reading your Bible. Stay close to the Lord. Be a light to others. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.